the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. You may be ruling in a greater capacity because you were faithful to him now, even if others didn't see it, even if it was a menial task. And maybe this is what Jesus meant. When he said the first shall be last, we always kid about that at potluck dinners, who's going to be first in line. It has nothing to do with potluck dinners. Maybe it has everything to do with, with the first being last and last being first in terms of service. Those who, who do their task well now will be given greater responsibilities. And, and those who are in the spotlight now and are not doing it faithfully, maybe they'll be last. I have a friend who for years was trapped in a work relationship with the most demanding, manipulative pastor I have ever met. My poor friend was totally miserable. He half-jokingly confessed to me one day that he often struggled against a secret hope that in the eternal state, this man would be his lawn keeper. (laughs) I could understand his feelings, even though they weren't perfectly graceful. But in fact, how we live our lives here will have an effect on the kind of responsibilities we'll have after Jesus returns. We'll learn more about that today on Verse by Verse. Welcome. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, we're in the middle of his final sermon in a series of sermons that answers many of our questions about heaven. Questions like, what is heaven? Who will be there? And beginning in our last class, what will we do there? You're probably familiar with Jesus' parable of the talents in Matthew 25, where Jesus describes some slaves who had been left by their master in charge of various amounts of money. They handled it with various degrees of wisdom, and when the master came home, he treated them accordingly. As Pastor Steve pointed out last time, that parable illustrates the fact that God does not ignore our faithful service now. He will have rewards for that excellence. Uh, But there's another side to that equation. Here's Pastor Steve now to tell us about it. Now, you may wonder, what if I do nothing for Christ now? And a lot of Christians are in that, in that category. They basically don't do anything. They may know a lot about the Bible. Uh, they may be waiting for great opportunities to serve him in some kind of teaching capacity, which will never come because they're not being faithful in little things. And what if you don't serve the Lord now? Well, according to Revelation 22, we are all going to serve him in eternity. So whether you serve him now or not doesn't mean that you're not going to serve him in eternity. We're all going to be serving him. But watch this. Let's turn to Luke 19, which is a similar parable, but it's a little bit different than Matthew 25. Now watch this, because this is just incredible. What if you don't serve him? Luke 19, beginning at verse 11. And while they were listening to these things, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he had to clarify that the kingdom of God's not going to appear immediately. But he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went 
to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minyas. Now, minyas represent money or, or pounds. And he said to them, do business with this until I come back. Now, let's just jump over to verse 15. And when, he, when it came about that when he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him in order that he might uh, know what business they had done. And the first appeared saying, Master, your minya was, uh, has uh, made ten minyas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in, very, in a very little thing, be in authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, your minya master has made five minyas. And he said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. And another came and, uh, and, and so forth. And you once, once again, you have a wicked one who didn't do anything and there's condemnation. But that's not what I want you to, to focus on. What I want you to see is the reward for your faithfulness is greater service and more responsibility in heaven. The greater your faithfulness is now, the more you use the opportunities that God has given you based on your abilities to serve him, the more you will have in terms of work and increased responsibility in heaven. That, that's just a heavy thought. And we're talking about better in, in terms of, uh, as we said before, in terms of good motives, good attitudes, good effort. Some people can be loyal, but they have just poor attitudes. I'm going to do it because I have to do it. That's not what he's talking about. But this is a tremendous, tremendous truth. He's talking about the future of the kingdom of heaven. He's saying that to someone who is faithful, he'll give them charge of more things. That's just a great truth. Now, this is one reason why you want to be active today. It's not the only reason, but one reason why you want to be active today. Because today's service is God's preparation for greater service, not only on earth, but greater service in heaven. It counts for eternity. You see, this, th this is just so important. This is why you never want to retire from the Lord's service, senior citizens. You need to keep that in mind. You may have retired from your business, but we never retire from serving the Lord. And this is why we don't excuse ourselves from ever serving him, young people, with the attitudes when, when I'm married and I have children, then I might serve him. Where does that say it in the Bible. You don't want to get to heaven and, and find out that you failed to do anything on earth and you have something of less responsibility in heaven. That's what this is about. Now, what are you doing for Christ today? What ministry are you involved in? Are you active in this church? Do you serve anybody? Do you serve a ministry? Do you do anything? That's, that's why this is so important. You see, this puts Christian service in a different light. It puts it in an eternal light. In fact, 1 Corinthians, this is where I think 1 Corinthians 15 comes into play. 1 Corinthians 15, you don't need to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 15, 58, in light of the fact that there's a future resurrection, we're going to stand before the Lord. Paul says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. The reason it's not in vain in the Lord is because it counts for eternity. It affects your responsibility. You may be over 10 cities. You may be ruling in a greater capacity because you were faithful to him now. Even if others didn't see it, even if it was a menial task. And maybe this is what Jesus meant when he said the first shall be last. We always kid about that at potluck dinners. Who's going to be first in line? It has nothing to do with potluck dinners. 
Maybe it has everything to do with, with the first being last and last being first in terms of service. Those who, who do their task well now will be given greater responsibilities. And, and those who are in the spotlight now and are not doing it faithfully, maybe they'll be last. You see, this is where eternal rewards fit in. I've been thinking about it this week. It only makes sense that our rewards in heaven will be our responsibilities to serve Christ. Maybe that's not the whole picture about rewards, but it, but it has to be part of it. And, and let, me, let me direct you to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 just to, to prove this. It has to be part of it, and maybe it's all of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, Paul speaks about his service and about his reward and about how nobody can really evaluate his ministry now, but in that day, Jesus Christ will. Notice what he says in 1 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 1. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now remember, in that context, they were elevating these servants, and some said, I'm of Paul, some said, I'm of Apollos, some said, oh, I'm of Peter, and others said, oh, we're the most spiritual ones, we're of, we're of Christ. And Paul said, this is the way you ought to look at us. We're just servants. We're just lowly servants. And that's the word that's used here, low servants. And stewards of the mysteries of God. A steward is one who doesn't own anything. He just takes care of, of what someone else owns. That's why on an airplane, we call them a steward or a stewardess. They don't own the plane. They're just hired to, to uh, take care of things because the owner's not there. So he said, we are stewards of the mysteries of God. And, and what's required of a steward? Verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found trustworthy. See, it's faithfulness. God's not concerned at this point about your ability, but are you being faithful with the ability that he's given you? Verse 3, but to me, he says, it's a very small thing that I should be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, he says, I don't even examine myself. What's he talking about? I don't examine my, uh, my effectiveness now. Paul said, you can evaluate me and say, all kinds of things. He's not doing a good job. He is being faithful with the Lord. He's not. He said, you can't really do that because you don't know my heart. He said, I don't even know my heart fully. He says in verse 4, I am conscious of nothing against myself. He said, when I, when I do look at myself, I, I'm not aware of any glaring sin. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. He said, only the Lord really knows the heart and only the Lord can evaluate my service. Now here's the key, verse 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time. Judgment on his service, he says. But wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden, uh, the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. What's your reward? The praise that God gives, and this praise will be his reward because rewards are given for faithful service. I think that it's all tied into the crowns. The Bible speaks of a wreath or a crown that we'll get. And the significance of the crown may not be that you will wear it, though I think that's part of it because it says in Revelation we're going to cast our crowns at his feet. But I think that the primary significance is not that we wear this wreath, but that it enables you to experience greater service for the king. Whatever crown you have. Let me just show you a few, a few verses. 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's all part of the praise and the reward. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says in verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day and not only to me but to all those who have loved his appearing. 
all those who have walked with him, all those who have, who have served him. Paul is saying, in light of my service, I'm looking forward to a crown. And tied in with these parables, the crown has to be related to greater responsibility to serve him. That's just a thrill. First Peter chapter 5 speaks about a, a, a crown that pastors get for faithful service. And it's all tied in with faithfulness. Don't do it, he says, out of compulsion, do it voluntarily. It's all tied in with what those parables are saying. So I think that the crown, the significance of the crown is not that we go around wearing something, but that what we wear enables us or means that we're going to have greater service for the king. Now, what our specific service will be, no one knows for sure. I can't tell you what your specific service will be. I can only tell you in principle what you're doing today will determine what you do in eternity. But we do know that we're going to have oversight with him in running the eternal state. It, the Bible calls this reigning or ruling with Christ. Revelation 22 verse 5 says, and there shall no longer be uh, any night and they shall not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God shall illumine them and they shall reign forever and ever. We're going to reign with Christ. That's part of our service. We're going to help him. We're going to rule with him in running the government of the eternal state. That's what we're going to do. Romans 8, 17 states that we are fellow heirs with Christ. Now, what did Jesus inherit from the Father? In the Jewish culture, an heir inherited a sphere of responsibility from the Father. What did Jesus inherit? He certainly didn't inherit eternal life. He always had eternal life. What did he inherit? Well, Psalm 2, 8 says that God will give him the nations of this world for an inheritance. In other words, he gets people. He gets nations. And we're going to co-reign with Christ over people. That's what it means. We're going to reign with him over people. We're going to have some government position. And if you don't serve him now, you're going to have a low government position. You want to have a high government position. We're going to reign with him. Revelation uh, uh, 20 and 21 says we're going to sit with him on thrones. So we're going to reign with him. 1 Corinthians 6.3 speaks of having authority over angels. So we're going to be active in serving the Lord. And you'll never grow tired, by the way. You'll never grow tired. That's where we'll have rest. We're going to rest in him as we serve him. So that's the first activity. The first responsibility we're going to have in heaven is to serve God. And you need to seriously evaluate what you're doing now. You do nothing now, you're going to regret it in terms of you could have had greater responsibility. Secondly, the second activity we're going to have in heaven will be to worship God. Worship God. In heaven, not only are we going to be active serving him, but we're going to be very active worshiping him. And in the eternal state, once we get past the millennial kingdom and into the eternal state, uh, our worship won't be limited to a place because there'll be no temple there. There'll be no temple at that point, but it will be continual, spontaneous, and it will be perfect. Uh, let's look. Let's just look without me commenting on, on this right now at uh, some of the scenes in Revelation about our worship because I want you to see some very important things about, about our worship and what it will be like. Revelation chapter 4, I'll just read this, verses 9 through 11. You don't even need to turn there, you just want to write it down or just close your eyes, don't sleep, close your eyes and listen. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, and 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy art thou our Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power for thou didst create all things and because of thy will they existed and were created. Chapter 5, verse 9. 
They sang a new song, saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for thou wast slain and did purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and elders and number and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and in all things in them. I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Revelation 7, verse 9. And these things I looked and beheld a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, uh, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded and there arose loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of this of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying we give thee thanks O Lord God the Almighty who art and who wast because thou hast taken thy great power and has begun to reign. Revelation 15. Verse 2, and I saw as it were a sea of glass mixed with fire and those who had come off victorious from the beast and from his image and from the number of his, uh, of his name standing on the sea of glass holding harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservants of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are thy ways, thou King of the nations, uh, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou uh, alone art worthy, or art holy rather, and for all the nations will come and worship before thee, for thy righteous acts have been revealed. And finally, Revelation 19, verse 1. After these things I heard, as it were, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a great voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and as the sound of many waters and the sound of many peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. That's just a taste of what heaven's going to be like. That's heavenly worship. So we're going to worship God continually. But what makes worship in heaven so special? What are the elements of heavenly worship? Because if, you, if we can isolate the, the elements of heavenly worship which is perfect worship, uh, if we can isolate that and incorporate that into our lives, we will have the kind of worship that God wants us to have here. 
So let's, let, let me give you three elements of worship in heaven that can affect you today. Very practical. Number one, in heaven, we will have a full understanding of God and his character and his works. A full understanding. That's why it's perfect. The more you know about God, the greater your worship will be. The greater your capacity for worship will be. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says that then we will know even as we are known. God knows us completely. We will have complete knowledge. I don't fully comprehend that, obviously. But we will have complete knowledge. Now, uh, what does that mean as far as worship? In John chapter 4, if you'll turn there, in John chapter 4, Jesus has a conversation with a woman, a Samaritan woman, who normally uh, would never have a conversation with a Jew, or a Jew would never have a conversation with a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman, let alone an immoral woman. But Jesus did. In verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again. They're talking about physical water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw, meaning to, this, to that well. And he said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. It's a great line. It's a great line because the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. What she was saying is, you know all about my lifestyle. You know all about the way I'm living. And then she tries to, to move away from her immorality to a theological discussion. And she says in verse 20, our fathers, meaning our Samaritan fathers, the Samaritans were a combination of Jews and Gentiles, different than Jews. So she says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you people, meaning you Jews, she said to Jesus, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she's trying to get him into a theological discussion on worship. Where should we worship? Should we worship in this mountain or should we, do we have to go to Jerusalem? What do you, what do you think? Since, that you're, since you're a prophet, let's discuss this. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. It means you Samaritans do not have the full truth. We worship that which we know for salvation is from the Jews. We understand. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Now, let's, let's isolate this. What's he saying? True worship is based, he said, on two things. It does not matter where it is. It does not matter whether it's this church building or church building down the road or your own home or whether you go to Jerusalem or whether you go to so many, uh, any place. True worship is based on two things. Number one, it's based on spirit. What is spirit? He means by spirit, your attitude, your heart. Not the physical heart, but your inner man, your attitude. And it's based on truth, the correct knowledge of God. The place isn't important. What is important is your heart and the truth. And here's why the truth is so important. As we get to know God better by understanding his word better, it ought to be expressed in worshiping him. If you're off on truth, you're going to be off on worship. How true that is. When we worship Jesus, we are worshiping him for something, some attribute, some deed, something about him. So how can we expect to offer him proper praise if we don't know what it is that we're praising him for? 
We'll learn more on the next Verse by Verse. It was good to have you here today as Pastor Steve Kreloff answers some of our questions about heaven. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. To find out more about Lakeside, go online to lakesidechapel.com or call the office at 727-441-1714. Our next broadcast will be the conclusion of this series. So if you'd like to go back and catch up on the entire series, I'll tell you how to do that in a moment. But I want to also let you know that the sermons that make up this series for broadcast are available on audio CD at no cost. Just call Lakeside at the number I just gave, 727-441-1714. And to get this current message, ask for message 7735, What Will We Do in Heaven? Or visit the message archive page at versebyverseradio.org to stream or download all the broadcasts, or even share them with friends who might not be able to listen on the radio. There's also a giving page if you'd like to help support Verse by Verse Ministries. And we are very thankful for those generous people who make these broadcasts possible. The web address, once more, is versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. On the next Verse by Verse, as Pastor Steve wraps up our series about heaven, we'll dig more deeply into why heavenly worship will be so much better than it is now. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.